Welcome to the But Here We Go podcast. We it just are... gets more intense every time you do it. I think that's why I get... <laughs> <laughs> I think it gets more intense because sound, I'm getting better. You sound like a carny, though. Like, Welcome to the But Here We Go podcast. Or like a... Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a wrestling or like... Wrestling. Sunday, yes. Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> that's exactly what I meant. Anyway, continue. Well, welcome everybody to the Batirigo podcast. We are coming at you from the Batirigo studios. No, no uh, on-site recording this week, except on-site we are. <laughs> I, at our at our recording studio. <laughs> we <laughs> we've got some reoccurring guests. We've got some reoccurring favorites. guests, some favorite guests. Guests, feel free to introduce yourselves. Oh, hi. I'm Haley Robinson, and I sound like Allie. <laughs> I was just about to say, that was like the one comment I got after y'all did the first one with us was like, we, I literally can't understand when what you if, stop and the other one starts. What if I do it completely in a British accent? <laughs> that would be something. <laughs> Maybe that would get that us up. more fans. I have that mic. That's terrible. <laughs> Your husband is very much... Husband here, <laughs> Neil Robinson. Who's half English. Now, Allie, co-host extraordinaire, has an icebreaker question, and then I have a new icebreaker question, <laughs> a, a second icebreaker question. How are they going to vote on who is the best? <laughs> no, it's just a second icebreaker question. Would you consider that a first icebreaker is an icebreaker, and the second is like an ice shatterer because the pieces are getting smaller? You know, I think the person we need to ask are some of those people who are stuck in the Arctic right now. In some ice. Are there people? Do they need, is this a new story that you missed? Or you this just is a new story that everybody missed. What happened? There are boats that are stuck in Arctic ice because the ice started to solidify too early. We why? don't need to dwell on it. I'm sure they're fine. Wait, I don't care about them. I'm concerned as to why the ice is freezing early. Dr. Oh, Joe. It's just, it's just part of part of the natural cycle of the world. That being inconsistency. Oh, okay. In... The climate. We don't have to talk about it. <laughs> Allie and I will talk about anyway. it whenever she and I admittedly haven't read the article, just the headline. Whenever we read the article. We don't care to know what y'all think about this. <laughs> We're going to do this privately. Anyway, it's only we... when Allie gets freaked out by it that we'll oh, actually read it. Right. In my segment called... You're Al- afraid of ice? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a segment where it's called... Things Allie freaks out about that Joe's not freaking out about, so he calms me down about it. Yeah, that's this. It's a segment we do. We got a few different segments. Okay, here's here's the icebreaker question: Would you rather never cut your toenails or never have your ears cleaned out? Oh, oh, oh! I don't, I don't. That's clearly an easy answer, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. I would clearly you never have my ears cleaned out. Never you, have my ears cleaned out. How do you wear shoes? <laughs> yeah, I would I would totally never clip my toenails. Wait, yeah. is that Yeah yeah. yeah. Wait. No, no, yeah, no. what they said. No. What they said. <laughs> so thought, you would never clean your ears, meaning you are allowed to cut your toenails. Y'all, I compulsively like clean my ears like three times a day. Yeah, but Allie, you don't understand. Like you can't put shoes on if your toes are that long. Like if your toenails are that long, you, you can't can wear still shoes. You can still live your life with messed up ears. You can't wear shoes. But what if they like? They could like break off naturally. That as, stuff. Because no, have you, you seen the shows? <laughs> Neil and I watched the shows. 
<laughs> We've seen the episode about the Guinness Book of World Records toenail lady. Yeah, but she was like purposely growing them. Yeah, out. and you know how thick and hard they get. It's like you have to have like freaking wire cutters or like the leaf cutters to cut those. Why do they get so leaf high? cutters, guys? <laughs> Sorry. Leaf cutters. <laughs> Man, those leaf cutters. I just imagine. I don't know what a leaf cutter is, so I just imagined a leaf blower. <laughs> they are so hard; you have to blow them off with the wind. It seemed even less effective. Wait, <laughs> is it a tree cutter? What's a leaf What's cutter? A leaf trimmer? You mean you know, like the like the little shears? The shears, yeah. Shears. Garden shears. Garden shears. Anyway, the Jaws thing is, is we all know that if our ears got that clogged, then medically they'd have to clean them out. And Wait. We would... <laughs> no, no, because okay, if you, you can make can't... the same assumption about your toenails, yeah, if you can't clogged. walk, then you have to go and get them medically fixed. I just believe that back in the day, no one had Q-tips. And I do want to add that Q-tips can't legally say that they can clean your ears. But we survived without our ears being cleaned. And as a no, we died at age I wonder what, because we know what a modern nail clipper looks like. What did they look like two hundred years ago? They probably just filed they them. They only down. filed them. Only files. Single filed. Okay. All, All right. What's the? Ice I guess breaker? that wasn't a good enough icebreaker. Joe, what was your icebreaker? This is why we so had two. On I I had the second one. It's not really an icebreaker. It's more of a cultural question. Neil, your mom is British. Correct. Now, if Haley. Your wife decided to do a British accent for the whole show. Wait, stop. This is your icebreaker? Would that be <laughs> would that be cultural appropriation? No. An accent isn't culture. Sorry, Neil. <laughs> I would beg to differ. Okay, that's the new no, question. Is an accent cultural? I would say yeah, because if you cuz like um in the Little Mermaid like the old school one, it's kind of now been understood that Sebastian is kind of I wouldn't say he's not racist in itself, but that the person playing Sebastian is not Jamaican, and it's not an authentic Jamaican accent. So that's kind of like a like a appropriation. I don't know if it's appropriation. It's, it's a stereotype that's not necessarily beneficial. And okay. and actually, if you watch Little Mermaid now on Disney Plus, they have like a title card before you watch the movie, just like they do for Pocahontas. Aladdin and Pocahontas, mm. to say that you know we recognize that you know we need to have some discussions about what went on. There's way well when you say cultural appropriation, does that mean it's bad? Is yes. is, is cultural appropriation a the, bad thing? The yes. implication here is that by her doing the accent, somebody would be. In some way offended, whether it's micro offended, macro offended, or just like annoyed in general. Um, I think my personal opinion, I think you can do something and you're trying to do it true to its kind of proper form with good intentions versus doing something in a belittling way or a stereotypical way. Or trying to do it as like to get a laugh as a joke. I think there can be a difference between the two. I think there's also a difference between um, marginalized cultures and non-marginalized mm-hmm. cultures. Because obviously like the UK and, and again you can have more discussions about like the interdimensions of like interior UK. But from the like the UK, American, Canada and Australia would be considered like 
well-developed countries. Or not, I would say not necessarily, but the dominant quote-unquote cultures are not oppressed. Right. And so it's, I think the cultural appropriation really uh, is mainly applied to marginalized cultures. Well, like, just think about this. I'm, I, Neil and I watch, like, YouTube videos about, like, accents all the time. And every so often you stumble upon, like, a comedy one where someone's doing, like, their rendition of, like, an American accent or whatever. And it's normally, like, a surfer bro. And you're like, oh, bunga dude. And, like, that's, like, no, people don't generally actually talk like that. I'm not offended if they're like, oh, here's an American accent and it's just surfer bro. Like, I'm not offended by that. But, like, I think that if you were trying to talk like a Native American, how they used to portray them in, like, black and white movies with really broken English and, like, really simple-minded, like, that's rude because that's a negative stereotype. It doesn't bring – it doesn't benefit the perception of the culture. It, it paints them with a really big brush. Well, just think about Dick Van Dyke in um, – Mary. I think that's different. I think he was trying his best. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. People make fun of him relentlessly for that accent, but no one's like offended by it because, like, unfortunately, that was his best, and his best was not good. Well, I guess that's a good point because there's tons of actors that are tons of actors who are British who do who, bad American accents. Who no, no don't do who good, who just do good, do good American accents and American ones who do who do good British accents, British ones. and that's never been. But I think that's where it goes down to marginalized cultures versus dominant cultures because it's not considered an offense. Does that make yep. sense? Yep. Does that answer your question? But le- whoa, whoa, whoa. So let's say there is a actor and he or she is Native American. and But because they've grown up in, let's say, like, you know, big city USA, their accent is just your stereoty- stereotypical, like... Um, baseline american accent they don't speak with any type of inclination of their you know native american um ancestry but if they're then in a movie portraying that and they're doing it accurately what's wrong with that i think it would depend we're going to go down a rabbit hole but i think like for number one back in the day native americans usually did not play native americans it was white people in like dressed up as Native Americans, putting on a fake Native American accent. So that's kind of, that's almost like blackface, but for Native Americans. But like for now, like nowadays, you know, I I feel like I've seen Native Americans play other Native Americans. I think it just depends. I think that as long as they are okay with it. Truthfully, we're all white people here, so I don't know. Maybe we well, should have a Native American like, on. Well, and to your point, like, uh, and we watch Flower Drum Song recently, but I feel like the majority of the people in Flower Drum Song were in fact white people. Dresses, dressed up and painted and even Haley and i when we were in the king and i in fourth grade the entire cast of white people we put brown makeup on our bodies to make us look darker from thailand which looking back on it was not the best decision i was nine i plead <laughs> i pleaded the plead thing. ignorance right plead ignorance but it's a complicated issue but yeah to Haley's point the marginalized culture should be the one calling the shots on that this reminds me, if we can slightly do a segue, because it really bothered me, was it the Super Bowl when we had the the Braves? Oh, the World Series? Oh, the World Series. We talked about this recently. Oh, we did? Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, well, when, you know, I don't, for those who aren't unaware, Haley Robinson is not a sports person, and I'll watch the big games for, like, camaraderie, but I don't really have anyone to root for. And um, when 
the you know when I found out it was the Atlanta Braves I was like oh are they changing their name anytime soon and Neil's like you know what I don't think so and then when I watched the Braves play they had that really awful hand motion the the the, the tomahawk the, the tomahawk, tomahawk chop and I said Neil like why are they allowed to do that that seems like an obvious like red flag and he was like I actually I don't know and I found out like later that it was a problem they got called out for it before COVID and then COVID hit and it kind of got like forgotten about well they just recently changed their name is what we we discovered what no that's cleveland that's the that's a the Red chiefs or no they're what are they called now? well there the was champions? the the, no, the washington redskins they're are now the washington, washington football, football team <laughs> with a new name to be determined <laughs> i like they're it. really struggling but the Cleveland Indians changed. They should their be name the Washington Apples to the Cleveland <laughs> Guardians. The Washington Cherry Trees. Um, no, that's Washington D.C. The Apples are in Washington yeah. State. Well, yeah, they're I, in Washington State. I read though that the Atlanta Braves, the whole thing got you know brought back to light when the World Series was being played, and I was reading some articles about it. And the Atlanta Braves, as an organization, claimed they had worked with local Native American peoples to like. Get approval. Get approval. But then other Native American organizations were like, but you didn't. And so I'm over here like, why is this? I don't, again, I'm not a sports person. I'm trying to imagine like a theater equivalent to having like a hand motion taken away from me. Yeah. But I just think it's dumb. Just change it. Um. So this is from Wikipedia. The Tomahawk Chop was adopted only 1991. What? And it, so it's fairly new. And obviously, the second it started, got uh, was very negative response from the. Wait, so it got pushed back at day one, and it's been like thirty years. Well, later. so it says um, controversy has persisted, um, and then I guess they had a the relief pitcher on the team is part of the Cherokee Nation, oh. and and just said, disapproved of it. So it says. Uh, that sucks. The relief pitchers for him, not like that. He just right. The relief pitchers' comments prompted the Braves to stop handing out foam tomahawks, playing the chop music, or showing the chop graphic when the series returned to Atlanta for Game Five and oh, whatever so in 2019. This says the Braves released a statement saying they would quote continue to evaluate how we activate elements of our brand as well as the overall in-game experience, and that they would continue a dialogue with those in the Native American community after the postseason concludes. Okay, so they're basically saying it's not us, it's the fans. They're making things up. We can't control the fans. They said they're still, discussions are still ongoing regarding the chop as, uh, oh, but they have no plans to change the name of the team. Like the the Chiefs and the uh, Redskins? No, Chiefs are still, they're still, they're the, still Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs. Sorry, the Cleveland Indians and the Washington Redskins changed. I didn't names. realize how many football teams are named after Native Americans, which I find strange since, like, like we kind of took over and then we like and i guess that's where the appropriation comes in and why it's negative it's like we took over we as in colonists colonials colonizers and then we were like we you can't have this land but we're gonna take your name and put it on our football team well they just we just took everything well i know that's what i'm saying that's why it's like can you at least give them their name back like, why, why do we have to have a tomahawk chop? Can it be like an axe? Well, and then, and then this case, I guess, according to Wikipedia, it was kind of a thing that uh, the fan started and thus the uh, team adopted because it became like a fan thing. 
And so it wasn't it, like the team didn't go out searching for to it. To be fair, that is hard to control. Right. That's going to that's going to take a lot to change. Well, but the, their statement could, doesn't help it. They could stop they could stop producing it. merchandise with oh, a tomahawk still, on it. No, which they said that they they did in they, 2019. That's what yeah. Ali's article said. It just makes me think could you actually stop a wave once it starts? Mm, I don't know, but it did make me just now realize that I don't think I've ever met that I am aware of anyone with a strong Native American background. Not you. I'm not gesturing to you, Joseph. Gesturing. <laughs> Dude, I have this argument all the time because and it didn't even come up in your 23 meet. There is a rumor throughout his family. No, not it. I guess it came up very, very slightly in like I've got seven percent American genetics, like like Central Indian. and South American genetics. Which is if you have like if you are Native American, it shows up as Central and South American genetics. Oh, interesting. So, that's, and wait, that's, that's, that's what weird. that's what Carlos the Native said. Peoples here, like the majority of people uh like the mayans and the incans and stuff like that's heavily like they that's that kind of filtered into the hispanic culture as well yeah but so you're telling me like what about like people up from, and i may like, i may be wrong about this well i was just gonna say that to me shows a i don't know it, that shows an issue if we're also not even calling native american dna as well because i so i read a book recently called native and she was talking a lot about and granted this is just one indigenous person's opinion um, but she was talking about how the DNA test was causing a lot of conflict between indigenous peoples and the mm. wider population because a lot of people will do like 23andMe or another DNA test and be like, oh, look, I, I'm oh. 8% indigenous. Like I'm a Native American now. Um, but no, obviously like no connection, have no connection to a tribe, have no connection to the culture. They're just like claiming that to oh, claim that. And so. In her mind, in her tribe's mind, that almost diminishes the value of indigenous peoples. Yeah, because it's kind of like... It's similar to what... What's that? Um, who's Elizabeth? Uh, she's a Democrat senator. senator. Warren. Elizabeth Warren. This came up oh, in a big deal. Because yeah. Elizabeth Warren claimed to be part... I'm gonna, I want to say Cherokee or something. Uh, but she was never... I mean, again, like she has knows no... She very well may have... Wasn't It, it was just like... 23 me dna result oh she, and things. they may have a thing she may be related to someone down the line like a great great she great may have the the lineage to show right it. but what the the that that tribe that she claimed to be pushed Would back not claim her. right because they're like you don't know our you're just using us mm -hmm. for political gain yeah. like you don't know our traditions you are not a card-carrying member of our tribe like yeah 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 so we talk a lot we've talked about that a lot recently but you have a friend but I do have a friend, and he is... <laughs> just one friend. Just one friend. And he's Athabascan. Okay. He lives up in... His his home it was Anchorage, went to Fairbanks for school. Now he's kind of in between two different locations. And for our listeners, what is Athabascan? Athabascan. Ath oh, okay. They it's are an indigenous uh, Alaskan tribe, and they are... One of the, I think they are primarily the Tanana and Nanana Valleys and down into Anchorage area. But, and I think they go, 
basically along the Tanana Valley and Nanana Valley down into kind of follow those valleys in between the Alaskan Range and the oh, and the Brooks Range, and then they follow down to the southeast into Canada. Allie, are you going to provide a map for that? Yeah, I was like, I don't know. Yeah, what we'll means. we'll but, link uh, Google Maps. <laughs> but there's a but there are quite a there's like a ton there's of indigenous a, tribes just in Alaska alone. Yep, there's a large indigenous population still. There's and they correct me if I'm wrong, but the state of Alaska. Is it the state that provides? I guess the state pay every... If you are a legal resident of Alaska, you get paid... Yeah, it's called the PDF or PFD. And what does it stand for? It's the permanent fund distribution. You get paid to live there. So part of living in Alaska is this permanent fund distribution, and they set up basically a a fund where they were pulling royalties off of any type of natural resources they produced... And this was kind of this forward-thinking idea that as you're getting all of these resources and getting all of this revenue as a state, you should be able to provide for your residents later on down the line. Like they are there, they are making the economy work, so they get a dividend from, from the resources that are getting pulled from the ground. And so this has been a, I guess, what was your point in bringing that up? Well, I didn't know because like, I felt like you, if you were part of an indigenous tribe too, you you also got benefits straight from your tribe, like healthcare and stuff. Right? Yeah, so they do have they've got their their tribes and their they basically have indigenous organizations so that they have the ability to get healthcare and to get vocational training and basically all of your. All of what you would expect, like government subsidies and government um, civil services, they provide for for their people. That's cool. Yep. So he is one of the people I know personally. And then I also had Chief Gale on on my podcast, which dropped last. It dropped the week of Thanksgiving. And if anybody... Hasn't listened to it yet. It's Energy Transition Solutions. Go have a listen. It's the episode, the week of Thanksgiving, where I talked to Chief Gale. It was a great conversation. Lots of fun. I don't think anybody in this room has listened da, to it yet. Is Gale a I lady. still need to listen. She Chief is. Gale. Yeah. Um, I only ask because Gale Chief is Charlene like a Gale. Name. So Gale's her last name. Okay. Her first name's Charlene. So is are having female chiefs common? I guess I think it depends. I on have the no time. idea. Okay. I didn't. I didn't go there. There were Honestly, a lot of questions that I wanted to ask that we just just didn't come up in conversation. Topic. Yeah, yeah, it would have been fun to talk about that. And it was a science podcast, so you have to talk about stuff. the science. I want to. I don't know I, I, what I'm about to say may be dumb, and you're like, it's already a thing. I want like somebody to create like a platform or an app where like I have questions for people that are different from me that I don't necessarily know how to ask them because I don't have any immediate connection. Like I don't know any Native American people, but I would love to talk to one just to understand their point of view, their experience. But like I don't know how to like facilitate that. So I feel like 
we I don't know. So I, you want like one of those anonymous question websites? I don't have to be anonymous. It's almost like I guess like a pen pal, but with somebody who's like totally different from you and has maybe different privileges or lack of privileges. That sounds like that. Yeah, would I think there's solve a lot of the problems like we have today. Well, what what are the apps like that, Joseph? I don't know. There was that one where people just like enter a chat room and can chat. It's not Clubhouse. <laughs> Clubhouse was chat room well. was different. <laughs> chat room. But I would yeah, want was, there to be like, like I don't know, like you, you have to want sign it to be a filtered where like you're like a decent human being. Well, like I'd want everyone there to be there. Like for instance, like we had a black coworker at our last job who I feel like we had some pretty great conversations with, like just some honest, open conversations with them about their experience being black in America, and. A lot of the questions I'm going to ask people like that are, they're probably dumb questions, but like I, I can't learn and get better if I don't, if I'm not able to ask those dumb questions and ask them in a, in a place where it's okay to ask dumb questions. So I would want this hypothetical platform to be a place where all parties kind of go in understanding that there's going to be grace and respect as we all try to understand each other together, if that makes sense. And then, you know, world peace out of that, I guess. <laughs> yes, I understand. Well, none of us are app developers, so. Do y'all remember, um, I think it was, gosh, maybe two two or three seasons ago on Survivor. So it was a while back. But it was, um, I don't remember the guy's name. Was it when Jermaine was on it? Was that his name? Was it Jermaine? I don't know. I don't remember there his was name. A, there was are we a, talking about the headband? Yes. Yes. Do you remember his name? No. I don't okay. remember either of those. So there was a there was an, a uh, black man, and then there was a younger white, significant. I feel like significantly younger. He was like one oh. of the. I want to say under twenty three. There was at least a five year age difference five years, between them, but I'm, yep. it's not like twenty. Right, and they were like really, they were really good friends on the show, and then and and I think uh, allies, whatever. But then I guess the young white kid called the the black man was wearing his survivor buff on his head. And the like, white, like everybody does, on right? Like everybody does. And then the white guy made a comment, which in he didn't mean anything by it, right? But he called it a do rag, mm-hmm. and that really offended the black um, castmate. And they actually had a really, really honest, loving, and open dialogue on camera. But that's but it took the white kid to be humble enough right. to be like. That was dumb. I, I admit it. Can you educate me right. as to why? And he went and, and apologized. And But it also, I think that's, because we've been talking, Joe and I have been talking about this a lot lately. Like, that really takes a relationship. Mm-hmm. And, like, if we really take an honest look at around us in our um, social circles and echo chambers, like, are, I mean, I'm, I'll be the first to admit it, like, most of the people in my echo chamber look like me. And so we have to, like, make a conscious effort to go outside of our echo chamber to be friends with people who are different. And then that's where you're able to have those honest conversations. Well, and I think that that's why it's so hard. I mean, I find it even harder. I mean, like, you know, Neil and I work from home, so we don't really have a lot of office talk. Most of, like, our meetings, we don't have a lot of the small talk. We go straight into meetings. And then, so we, you know, we do work at home. We go to church. Our church is kind of diverse, but not really. Um, definitely not as much as I would like it to be. So it's like, how do you, like in our world that is so disconnected now, despite the connections, right, 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 like right. how do you make those connections? This is why I need this app I'm talking about. So shout out <laughs> to any app developers out there. I mean, it could be an app. It could be a YouTube channel. It could be like you know what a Reddit forum. I know you don't like Reddit, but 
in that realm. Well, you bring up YouTube, and um, I want to call out uh, that the YouTube account Jubilee, I think, does a really good job. Oh, they do a great yeah. job. They do a really good job of at least maybe there's not a question answer with the audience to be super involved, but there is like a panel of people. Like they have pe- people who agree on a, a topic and people who disagree, and then they have them kind of all talk together. And I think that's really opened my eyes on a lot of topics and maybe not changed my mind, but at least given me an understanding for other people. Well, and I think that, I mean, that's the whole thing, right? Like we, that just, we should never go into a conversation with the thought like, oh, either I'm never going to have my mind. Like you don't have to have the same beliefs as everybody else, but we need to learn from other people and that may change your beliefs or that may just make us more open-minded. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because there are certain, like, you know, things that people are never going to change their mind. Like, the way they feel like politics should be run or, like, stuff like that. The age of the earth. The age, flat earth, you know. They're, flat. They'll the, never the be changed. The flatness of the earth. <laughs> oh, my god. The gosh. one thing I will say about Jubilee. Yes. I feel like they cut some of the conversation short. And I'm like, no, we really should just stick on this question for, like, 20 minutes. Right. Fair. So it's, one, a, it's just, you know, the curse yeah, of YouTube. That's the hardest part, which is why I think the open dialogue would be better. But then you're talking to one person, so you don't actually it. It's this it's this double edged sword where you're either getting five different opinions for thirty seconds, and you get like one snippet from each person, or you get an actual complete thought from an individual, which ends up only being that one that one viewpoint yeah so it's a it is a hard hard um growth process to go through i feel like they should do a segment on that or like a series because they have like kind of different types of series on that channel and they might already do this i don't know i would like people of the opposite beliefs to then argue the opposite belief like if we were to have this podcast but joe had to defend flat earth from a position of somebody yeah, who's supportive of flat earth. Well, that's something that I, I want to say Russell Moore talks about this a lot. But he, um, I don't know why he's always prepping people for debates because he's a pastor slash theologian. But he, part of what he recommends people learn is when if they're going into a debate or if they're going into like, they know they're going into an intense conversation to basically study up the opposite side and... Um, and try to defend it. And it's not, not to like, so you'll be able to like tear down your opponent, but ultimately, because again, what we were talking about, like we need to seek to understand people. Cause I mean, there are certain issues that are like, you know, murder is murder. Like, I think we all can agree on that. And then if someone disagrees with me, Neil's like, murder is murder. <laughs> wow. I mean, but, like, but otherwise like we, there, it, we as a society need to come to a point where we can respectfully disagree with people. And um, until we can really do that, then we're just going to keep yelling at each other. Now, I think I've got a controversial question here. Go for it. Can Neil answer it first? I'll, I'll cut it if it's too controversial. And yes, please, Neil, to take it away. Yeah, Neil, take it away. But with the, the new Texas, um, with the new Texas curriculum requiring you to teach both sides mm. of a topic... The example everybody talks about is the Holocaust, where you have to, if you want to teach the Holocaust, you have to teach the what happened and then the side of 
the people who think the Holocaust is all fake news. You right. have to teach both sides. Oh. In some regards, isn't that what you're saying? Hold up. Are you wanting Neil to answer? Neil, you get to answer. Hold on. I have a question. I didn't realize, maybe I misinterpreted, because I've heard this debate, right? Or not debate. I've heard this whole thing, because like that school's getting like sued by somebody. Southly. Um, When they say the opposite view of the Holocaust, I didn't know it was to say that, oh, are we listening for a baby? Oh, um, we're back. I didn't know it was to say that the Holocaust didn't happen. I thought it was to say that we should defend those who wanted to do the Holocaust. So what is the opposite so view? So the way that the bill is written, and to say I've done an extensive... In- no, I know why it's written. I'm just saying what no, is the opposite? No, 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 tell me. Because right, I need let me to- explain. <laughs> so, because I've done extensive research on this. So the way that the CR, the anti-CRT bill in the state of Texas is written is that... And, and in the defense of the writers, this was not the intention... This is one of the criticisms of, of it was it, it was a poorly written bill because they were trying to get it through as quickly as possible. That it is written that you have to provide both sides of issues when teaching things. Of and so, issues. Of anything. And so in the specifically, I'm, it's South Lake, right? South Lake Carroll? I think South Lake has been brought up multiple times on the news. Right, right. I'm pretty sure it's South Lake. Uh, I'll apologize in the show notes if I got it wrong, um, but um, this happened at a they had they someone leaked recordings of of a um, school meeting between the principal and the teachers um, where they were concerned and confused about what the heck they were supposed to be teaching, what books they could have their students read because they were afraid they were going to get in trouble because there is there's like a fine attached to it and like you're you can get fired for it, uh, if you go against this bill and so one of the issues was one of the teachers essentially was like well what about the book night which Ely Wassell like very well read book in most at least in Texas most curriculum signed when I was in ninth and grade and she was like you are going to need to provide something from the other side the other viewpoint oh and that's why that's why like when I was saying there are certain things that we have. There has to be objective truth. Well, this is the way that you describe this to me as someone who doesn't know too much about this, apart from maybe hearing a headline here or there. Is what are things in which are like objective issues, or I mean, is that the right phrase? Well, Versus, because like for instance, like. The Union Army accepted the surrender of the Confederate Army and was, you know, the end of the Civil War. The North won. That's a fact. That happened. So now, if there's some people who were like, you know what? The South won. And I don't know what evidence they come forward, but... Do we have to teach that the South no, won? No, from my understanding, it's the, the lost cause narrative, and it is taught in high, Texas high schools because it was taught to that's me what in my Allie history and I were class. Taught, yeah, I will say, uh, from what I understand, the the whole point about this and the fear that I guess caused this bill to be written wasn't that you're going to teach that the North lost. It's that you're going. They are afraid that that kids are going to be taught that if your ancestors fought for 
the um, Confederates and own slaves and all that stuff, then you are a bad person. And then your kid is going to come home and feel like a bad person. That's what a lot of, I've watched a lot of videos. That's their fear. They don't want anyone to feel bad. So when they say provide an alternate view, they want to provide, you know, about the good slave owners and like, you know, how the Confederate people, they were just trying to fight for their freedom. And to be fair, like there are some loud voices on the left side of things who, um, and, and by, you know, it's the one rotten apple, right, ruins the bunch. But uh, ha- there's a big, small amount of people who are pushing this, um, you know, oppressor versus oppressy and all the oppressors need to be taken down and yada, yada, yada. It's not, it, it has never reached high school or any sort of, like, you know. Secondary. S- or, yeah, f- educational level. Um, but the bill was essentially, it's essentially like a backlash to the Black Lives Matter push in like the 1619 project to do, like to explain a more honest view of history. So like, for example, Haley and I, well, we were homeschooled until high school, but I clearly remember in my AP U.S. history class, because I know this because I remembered it enough to write it on the AP U.S. history test during like the which she got great scores which on. i got great scores on um that the civil war was not fought over slavery that 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 was not the main issue that the main issue was states rights and so that is a very commonly pushed view within specifically texas history i can't i've heard it also in the south but obviously i'm in texas so i can speak to that that's not accurate and so at least it's a distortion of well it's not accurate because if you look at the secession like paper announcements or whatever from all the states that were in the confederacy they specifically list slavery as the issue as to why they are seceding so just that small change like it creates the and it's called the correct historical term is the lost cause narrative and it creates this idea that like oh hey like everybody who fought for the confederacy they weren't bad people like they they just were fighting for states' rights. It wasn't a like slavery just kind of got lumped into it. Or on the within that same narrative is the thought that like, hey, like the the majority of slaveholders were really quite lovely to their slaves. They loved them. They were like second family. It was just the very small few slaveholders who, who tortured and treated their which slaves also poorly. negates the fact that you owned human beings. Which and I like and I heard that like I have. There were, I, an a, um, elderly woman told me that literally within the past two months. And so like, this is a very, it is very common. So anyway, the, the bill is to, and it's complicated because obviously like you, like, but it sounds like there's the ability to take it to the point where you can start presenting non-facts correct that's where and and because there's it's not written in a good enough way it doesn't restrict just lies so like you could say okay well then you have to teach that the holocaust didn't exist that but then i guess that's the question is like what are things that are like oh this is an issue where you have to present both sides versus this is not like you know like what are other examples like are they going to start bringing in like fake math Oh yeah, like like you know, like we already have imaginary numbers. I think numbers. this is this is mainly for history, history. and then also uh, uh, sex and gender education is another big thing that gets looped into this. Mm-hmm. But I think a good example, if I could throw that in to answer your question, would be like we just we started this talking about Native Americans. I remember being told by a family friend, like maybe in my early teens, like 
about how uh, American colonists gave like smallpox. We literally just talked about this on the podcast. Yeah. Or just, yeah, well, just yeah. briefly, though, for, you know, the current the listeners that you already know this, but, you know, I had never heard that American colonists had given Native Americans smallpox infested blankets to wipe them out. And I remember when this family friend told me this, I was like, that's not true. Like, cause it really did. It was kind of like a jarring, it was a jarring thing to learn. And I think from what I've understood in, in watching interviews of a lot of parents who support the bill, they are afraid that their children are going to get jarred and it's going to be traumatic. I personally don't think that that quote unquote trauma I experienced was negative. I think it was important for me to learn, but because I don't have like we can, you know, that that happened we can't deny that and maybe you know I don't I just don't think that there's a shame in feeling bad about it I think a lot of people are afraid that kids are going to grow up and be like my ancestors were slaveholders therefore I'm a horrible human being when in reality that's not ever been well, taught it it feels like the path would be is if you're not given the truth then you are going to maintain the lie you're not going to improve anything like you can't change what happened two hundred years two hundred years ago, but you can make things better to to today. Almost stuttered on the podcast. <laughs> you would have loved it. I <laughs> love. I heard it stutter. So, but if you're keeping up the lie, then you're not gonna you know present the truth and or confront the truth and try and make it better. Right. My um, I have a really good friend who she is. I guess she's a dual citizen. She grew up in Japan, and uh. I guess this was like we were talking about this and I asked her hey like what do y'all learn as kids about World War World War Two like because obviously from an American perspective the Japanese are not looked upon fondly Mm -hmm. right (laughs) like we Haley and I even have a grandparent who is very still hostile against people of Japanese descent and so she said that they are extreme they are taught like from young ages about the kamikaze bombers about the pow camps about everything for exactly what you're talking about is that so their children won't make the same mistakes that they did back in the 40s and then to my knowledge germany does the same thing where they teach the horrors of the nazis to their own people when uh when i was in israel that one time on vacation we met a group of Germans who were on an Israeli wow. reparations trip. I don't know if that's, that's what ex- it was called. I don't know if that's what it was called, but that essentially was like the purpose. The of idea it. behind it was that the people of this one nation had, you know, in the past drastically wronged the people of this nation and were going to, you know, take time out of their lives to go to those people and do what they can you know, to kind of that's help. That's neat. Uh, I don't know exactly what they do. If it's like, <laughs> if they're doing some type of... Like, are they doing like food pantry type stuff? I, or? I don't know exactly what they were what they were doing or if they were, you know... I like the If concept. they were giving of time or money or, or both um, and to who exactly was um, the recipients of such. Um, but it was like an interesting concept, like... Because, you know, there's always talk in this country of... Like when we think of, of slavery, like, you know, reparations or is there a way to kind of pay for the, the sins of past and nobody wants to and, do well, it. No one wants to do it or no one thinks there's a good way to do it or it seems so complicated, but, and I don't know if this is a big thing that happens in Germany or if this was just a small thing right. among a smaller community of people, but 
At least they're doing something. S- someone's doing something. It's not like nothing can be done. Yeah. Can I tell you two fun facts about reparations that I just learned from my reparations Have you all not bed? talked about yes. reparations tell on the We have not talked about tell reparations. I know. We say that we're going to talk about controversial topics on here, but we very rarely do. That's well, why the Robinsons are here. We right. still list the podcast as a comedy. It's true. So <laughs> I hope everybody's having a The comedy old... was Joe's plan for this podcast <laughs> and how far we've diverted. I hope it. everybody has had a good laugh so far. <laughs> okay, fun fact number one. Um, the U.S. federal government actually paid reparations to all the Japanese interned in internment camps during World War II. That's cool, but what a diss to everyone who's a, a, like a descendant of an enslaved person. Well, so fun other fact, number two, is the federal government also paid reparations after the Civil War, but they paid the reparations <gasps> to the slaveholders to make up for their loss of income and property. That, like reverse that's reparations. Correct. <laughs> Now that's not repairing anything. To, well, to, to continue, the Confederates, they thought so. To continue on the reparation train, they there were, I guess you could call it reparations when nine eleven happened. Oh, okay. everybody who died in their families. That's a good point. Their families were paid by the government, and now they are also discussing. I guess I, I've only seen the headlines. They're discussing paying paying people who have gotten caught up in the whole border debacle of separating families. Right. They're discussing paying them as well. The the thing with reparations, it's not a question of like how we're going to do it. Ultimately, it comes down to the issue that people don't think that there is a reason to do it. And so... I, honestly, like if it, if we had had this discussion immediately after the the Civil War, it would have been far easier. But now that so much time has passed, combined with stuff like the Lost Cause narrative or these kind of uh, played down histories that our children are learning, it's people don't see the point of reparations because they don't think. Again, it's that mentality of like, well, I haven't done anything. It's a very individualistic look at it instead of a, hey, we're all in this country together. This may be a weird roundabout way to get there. But every once in a while, I'll get this very bad, sinful desire of like, man, I just wish I was like filthy rich. And I'm all like, what are ways I could get filthy rich like easily? And I think to myself, if I could get committed wrongly for a crime (laughs) in prison for like 10 or 15 years. Neil. And then get exonerated and then sue you, you in those cases you well, walk but, away with But you know what's really so sad? You, giving up you don't actually get that money years. though. You don't get that money. No, no. You, well, cuz mm. it's, it's like an IOU cuz cuz federal They're like, not like gonna pay you, Yeah, the government local governments can't pay you like okay, 36 million. Let's just million say dollars. in theory they did pay you all that money. I just love so, that your two like your two life goals is one to be a single father and two to get life in prison. So, <laughs> but then get out eventually. But in that case you would see that and you would think, "Oh my gosh, there's this person who was they lost 15 years of their life oh, for I see a where crime you're that they did not commit. Right, It was right. stolen from them by, you know. And years of their life taken from them. And years of the way. And because of that, they were like, you know, as apologies to repair that situation, they are financially trying to compensate for that. And we see that in the moment as, you know, hearing about XYZ person in that situation. And we think, yes, it's rightfully, you know, that city should, you know, give that person back if this was 1866 
it may be so much easier to think, oh my God, you know, we, we took that person's life from them for 40 years, forcing them to not being able to live to their choosings. We need to make good on that. But we've been so far removed from it that like, sometimes we don't, don't even look at it as that. I want to jump in. And it real seems so quick. simple in that way. Like there should be some make good. We it's, use the you you were talking about advertising earlier. The term in advertising for if you mess something up, it's and you got to fix it. It's called a make good. You got to make good. <laughs> but I think there's a lot of businesses now, that say that. I think that it is it is. It's optimistic to think that way, and I think that is a really interesting way to think about it. But as I heard on the Mediator podcast this week, the, what the only he tries the, to plug this the podcast. only like they need more people the, listening. The only it. time I got to listen to podcasts while I was riding alone in the car back and forth to Thanksgiving stuff. Sorry for making no, you no big deal, no big deal. This is this is good because now I get to input this. No, I'm wrong. It was on. <laughs> The Bear Grease Podcast. Unnecessary information. Anyway. No, this is Joe's Unnecessary Plug of the Week. So. No, that's coming later in yeah. the podcast. <laughs> Guys, I really want to know what Joe has to say. So, it sounds all well and dandy that if we would have talked about it immediately, that we would have been like, oh, you know what? We did something wrong. We are going to make good on this. No one wanted to do that. We're going to give you and let you keep the 40 acres and a mule because we actually did that for some, but some then, group. But then the government but, took it back. But then the government and said, actually, you know, this, this needs to go to them. But, but we also have to remember right after the civil war, as was pointed out on the bear grease podcast, we immediately started a, basically a genocide on the indigenous people. So, even if we we realized, I mean, we tried to realize and right our wrong by ending slavery, which was a good first step, not nearly enough, but we immediately started going and killing another group of people. You bring up a really good point because, and this is, I've read a lot of books on the topic. A lot of people just assume that when the Civil War was won, it was won by a bunch of abolitionists. But really, what happened after the end of the Civil War was you have half of a country that specifically fought to keep enslaving people. And then you had the the vast majority of the northern states who were not, they were not, they may have They were not, apathetic at best. They may have not. They were at a point where they were not for slavery, but they were nowhere near seeing people of color as equals and and deserving of equality. Because that's where you see the separation of the races. And the North was not that much better, race, like racist wise, than the South. The South just required human bodies to make to have their economy run. And so we were still a heavily racist country after the Civil Just War. Just think about um, the the suffrage movement. Uh, we watched like a PBS. I'm not like Allie. I can't be like, I'm well-read on this subject. But uh, <laughs> Neil and I watched a PBS, a PBS documentary on it. Um, and it was all about suffrage. And I had never thought about this before. Because, you know, everyone's like, oh, look, women got the right to vote. Well, actually, white women got the right to vote. And uh, overall, by and large, the white women suffered. Um, suffragettes did not include black women in there they would not march with black women 
they did not want the cause you know of black women to to detract from what their movement was and so they ended up tossing black women to the side because they wanted at least you know like they didn't want to be attached to that controversy since even in like the early 1900s we were still obviously having issues um and the fact that black because like when slaves were freed um i can't remember you'll have to tell miss miss well read when they were liberated were they given the right to vote I know only black men were given the right to vote first. They were, black men were given the right to vote. However, that's when you get like the Jim Crow stuff where mm-hmm. like they had literacy exams or they had a uh, poll, uh, just, you know, a bunch of white poll people. Taxes or- poll taxes. Poll taxes. There were just like intimidation. They did everything in their power to make sure they could not vote. Uh, gerrymandering, like all that stuff. So they had the right to vote, but the, very rarely did they actually get to vote. Well, this goes all back to where I would like to go on public record that I'm 100% for reparations for black Americans. I don't have any clue how on earth we're going to do it. I think it needs to be done. Um, because if you look at the history of, to your point, Allie, um, you know, slaves are freed. Hooray. Great thing. First off, as we know from Juneteenth, the now federal holiday, it took forever for slaves down in, in you know, the bottom. Texas. Yeah, I was, I was like, is it Galveston or is it all of Texas? It was, Galveston was like, where it they was announced it? It was forever yeah. from them to even know about it, and no one was telling them. And then, you know, you have the fact that black women weren't even allowed to vote, even after white women were allowed to vote. So it's like, it's just a history of subjugation. Um, so, yeah. Um, again, I, I told Neil this. I don't know how this would work. I, I have been trying to figure out. So, Allie and I... Uh, we are ancestors of slaveholders. Right. Our family are, you know, way, way back in the day owned a plantation and we own, our family owned slaves. Like it's on record. And like part of me wants to like figure out a way for like me to connect with, because like I don't know, I don't, I don't know. I feel like our, our country as a whole is never going to agree in reparations. But like is there a way for Allie and me to like somehow connect with the descendants of our family's slaves and like, I don't know, you know, I don't know how it would work. Right. That is interesting. You One, that would be cool. But two, you do in, in the field of, rep, rep, not the field, but like in reparations on the topic, where you're seeing right now are a lot of, of exactly that. Like there's a lot of... Um, kind of like, grassroots movements. Well, like, like specific organizations. There's a lot of um, like, because we're non-denominational Christians, but a lot of denominations have found out that their institution, like I think it's Northwestern. Excuse like, me, Neil and I are in a denomination. Okay. Well, like some of these like universities who are heavily, like re- they were started as religious institutions, discovered that they made significant parts of their income off of selling slaves and they, the church these oh. churches yeah and universities and so a couple of a handful of them have started um reparation funds That's and cool. have located the ancestors of the people that they sold or enslaved and are giving them That's um, awesome. stipends like every year to to help do something and so f- specifically from their own funding and so you're seeing little things like that or like, i guess like the indigenous this is indigenous but like the indigenous schools in canada mm. i think a lot of those schools are starting like you know just little what sucks though and then we can stop talking about reparations if we want to but like really sucks in my mind is because like i know people who if you talked about reparations they would kind of do what ali said earlier they'd be like well that's not my problem i didn't do it like i don't want to give free money out to people you know i feel like that's the common you know opposing view but what i just get really sad about is like reparations doesn't actually repair anything it's like a barely a band-aid on like the trajectory that we put an entire people group on by 
taking away their rights um, and forcing them to do things and separating their families. And so, like, the fact that we can't even agree on, like, a tiny little Band-Aid solution is really sad to me. Well, and that's why I'm so passionate about the church leading on this and leading not only on just uh, racial justice but specifically on reparations is because it's a it's a it's not a logical like the world does not understand that right like it doesn't make it wouldn't make it economic doesn't make sense economic logic sense but from a gospel point of view and from a redemption point of view it there is, that's the only answer like we are called to be ministers of reconciliation like that is one of our commandments For listeners, and our mandates um the bible actually talks about about reparations in the old testament yes like it, it like it was part of israeli law and so like these are very biblical things that are at the very least the people of the church to be fair hebrew law right sorry but like at the very least people of christ should be able to wrap our heads around this and be the ones leading out on this which is why i'm so passionate about it i feel like neil has something to say well two things my stomach hurts (laughs) um do you need that pd light right there well so we got thai curry for dinner and uh joe ordered a uh a level three out of five spice. Would you get? And, and you were like, I'm going to be manly. I'm going to get a four. Exactly. <laughs> and you let me give our son a four. <laughs> so my stomach hurts. How's that four sitting? Like, how was good. it? Was oh, it's it, tasty. I mean, I was, I was struggling with the three. <laughs> That three Don't was worry. like Neil will be struggling. <laughs> Neil, you've never seemed more like a man than right now. No, so, Neil will be struggling with a you are, two later. You are so manly, um, Neil. But the then the other thing was just it just feels so overwhelming when I think of essentially how every Western nation essentially is built on like the backs of some other the people. The backs of some other people being eradicated, mistreated, abused, whatever it is, and just thinking of how many how much need there is for reparations just across the globe and it just sounds just so daunting and overwhelming that's true i have like a not kind of, to deter any of it but just the way my mind's going right now that's how i feel i have like a kind of slight relation but also a segue to a happier topic so if anyone would like me to throw that in unless joe has something else to say well i was gonna say that we've already been talking for an hour. Holy oh, fuck. Wow. So, can I say this one more? It kind of is like a good kind of tie. Yeah, so we can end on on okay. this <laughs> on this last thing, but I, I think it is it's fascinating that we come in here to talk about stuff. Oh, I also I also have to <laughs> give the hat sponsor credit for this week. But it is it is fascinating to me that we start with a simple question of is doing an accent the whole <laughs> podcast racist or cultural appropriation or whatever you want to call it and it turned into an hour long conversation about race and culture and trying to trying to figure figure things out what was what were you going to say so i have a friend and this is a true story, so it's not just like I'm talking about me. It's I actually have a friend, and this happened <laughs> it's to them. Me. <laughs> no, it didn't. Um, she was telling me that her boyfriend um, currently has... Are they going to hear this podcast? I don't know. I'm not half, I'm not attributing names. It's not like a horrible story. Um, he has a car, and he, there's a loan on it, but he's always paid it off, right? There's literally nothing wrong with a loan. 
Um, he's like, you know, he's being good. He's paying payments every month. Well, <laughs> literally like in the last couple of weeks, um, actually I think this happened last weekend, uh, his like lender made a clerical error and deemed him as needing uh, to go through repossession. Oh, and they towed his car away from his yard without telling him. And he woke up and walked out and his car was gone. <laughs> so that's not the end of the story. Um, <laughs> There's a point to this, I think. Happy note. <laughs> Your car could just get towed any day. I know, isn't that wild? So like, thankfully, like he called the police, he called his lender. Like they all acknowledged that like there was an error. He, he did not owe anything extra he was fine so they gave him back his car but they also gave him a thousand dollars to to make to make to reparations yes to cover the the pain and strife i guess of having your car towed suddenly clearly not equal to the reparations needed and for the, the black community but two hundred dollars he had to pay per day for a rental well, car he, he ended up taking um you're getting ripped <laughs> off on rental cars <laughs> he ended up using my friend's car um like his girlfriend's car but um she because oh. she works from home but can you imagine just like waking up and your car is just gone all of a sudden could you imagine waking up in your land perpetual slavery? I mean, I just, I know. Like Neil said, it's heavy. But I was trying to end on a lighter note. Nellie brought it back No, around. I'll just cut that out. And to- <laughs> so much power in the editing. Lighter and note to- is we have an unannounced guest who's been here with us the whole time. Daniel, Daniel Tiger. Tiger. <laughs> I thought Peter had woken up or something. Well, okay, do your hats. Well, it has been very enjoyable the one thing we haven't done yet is the sponsor of the show this week this week the hat i'm wearing is the north face the sponsor the sponsor the whole mountain (laughs) just the north (laughs) no just the north face and i really just want to talk about the hat itself not the company (laughs) this hat this hat is is, it's been to Alaska it and was, back. It was brand new back in 2011 when I started full-time at this SMU. This hat is on, longer than our relationship. On the PhD, this hat has gone to Alaska multiple times and has gone to Peru just once. It's gone to Australia. And for a hat that is over 10 years old, it's holding up pretty well. And I think that's what I want to say about the North Face is that it's an ironic name because the North Face is actually the side of the mountain that gets beat up the most. Oh, interesting. Like the hat. But this hat has held up for so long. And I know the North Face is what their name implies is because it's the hardest side of the mountain. The North Face gear helps you get up the hardest side of the mountain. There's a lot of other stuff I could say, but... I had to throw in that plug because this hat's going to get retired soon. And oh, no. Do we need to play bagpipes? <laughs> Let me no. get out of the world's smallest can we, violin. Can no. we burn it? <laughs> it? Send it down a river? We don't need to do any of that. Jedi style? Just, just to say, North Face gear holds up pretty well. Crazy expensive. <laughs> wow, what a But it holds up pretty well. <laughs> well. Wait, 30 bucks, 10 years, $3 a year. So, not bad, not, not bad. bad. $3 a year to not get cancer on your head. Like <laughs> <laughs> What? I'm just going to let you know from as a as an advertiser that would never get allowed to be printed on an advertisement. <laughs> just $3 a year. 
no oh, skin they'd cancer. have to have so many asterisks. Like the we hat really say. does not protect from cancer. The hat, you know, this has not been reviewed no. by a doctor. Like, Joe, this no. is a mesh hat. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's sun getting in this. Okay, okay, okay. So not cancer, just some type of very, very. You weren't very, sunny that day. Very basic head protection. In fact, no protection at all. Well, thanks for that, man. Well, I think we should stop here if we want to do a part two where we talk about the topics that we were going to talk about. <laughs> we, can, we can stop it and just jump right in. But I'm going to sign us off. Do it. But here we're oh, going to go. Oh, no, stop. I want oh, Neil stop. and Haley to sign us off. Is there a song? You, you just have guys to say, but us, here we go. You guys can give us something go. else. That was the show. What are we going to talk about? We don't know. It's but here we go. The random show where we talk about things that we didn't want to. Indy <laughs> 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 needs to work, I, but I liked it. I think we're going to take that and make that our new theme song. Done. We just, we'll just add some music behind right. it. Okay, well, bye. And it's but here we're gonna go because uh, well, we're leaving. Neil can uh, do that part. No. What? <laughs> okay. Okay, bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. bye.